morning when it just rained like crazy, like as in the days of Noah, you know? Like it was like someone turned on a shower head outside and it was just pouring rain like hard outside, right? And then it just stopped after like 10 minutes, you know? Um, and that, that kind of feeling, or the way that the storms hit actually in the Sea of Galilee is known to be like that. It can come out of nowhere, specifically with the weather patterns there. And so what we've been looking at the past couple of weeks is as these disciples who, who went across the Sea of Galilee, as Jesus told them to, they encounter this storm. And it prevents them from going, uh, making headway for three, four hours, or, th- or three, four miles into the night. That's it. Going less than a mile an hour. And what I was saying was that this, kind of, this pandemic lockdown has kind of felt like that. Where, where, you know, for three, four months, we feel like we're moving at less than a mile an hour. Many of you guys can relate to this experience personally, but definitely corporately as a church. And then when Jesus got into the boat, boom, it says immediately they were right on land. And it feels like that right now. We're right here. We made it to land. We made it safely. Thank God. Just like that, real quickly, before we knew it. And so what I want to talk about is like, I kind of want to recap. There's just so much there in this passage of Jesus as the Lord of the storm. So much there for us to, to, to glean from. And, and, and within the context, I'm going to go over the context a little bit again. If you remember, uh, Jesus, right before that scene, he fed uh, the thousands, 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Right? Five loaves of bread and two fish meager portions, and yet he feeds them all, and there's 12 basketfuls left over. And, and the people are like, in, 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 in John 6, uh, 14, the people are like, this is the prophet who has come into the world. This is, in other words, in, in, in Deuteronomy 14, there's a, there's a prophecy that says that God will send another prophet like Moses to speak to them. God will use him as a mediator to speak and to lead them. And so they're like, this is the guy, this is the prophet. He fed us bread, just like Moses, you know, manna coming down from heaven. Jesus mediates this bread miraculously. This is the prophet that we've been waiting for. Let's make this guy king. Make him king. Not, not, not just the prophet, let's make him king. Let's make him be the one that replaces Caesar and the Roman Empire. Let's make him be the one that gives us a good life here and now. Let's make him be the one that meets our felt needs every day and our loved ones' needs every day. And they want to make him king. They want to force him to be king. And Jesus is like, nope. And he withdraws from this plan. This is really, really crucial to understand here. Because this gets at why Jesus actually came. Today's sermon is called The Purpose. What is the purpose of why Jesus came? And what is the purpose of the storms that we go through as well? Why? So Jesus sends them ahead. He's like, just go. These guys are trying to make me king. They're trying to set me up. They want me glorified as king. That's a good thing, but not in this way. They want their felt needs met, but no, that's a good thing, but no, not in this way. They want me to upend the Roman Empire, but not in this way. I have to go to the cross. I've been telling you guys this. I'm going to continue to tell this for these three years. I have to go to the cross because that's at the cross that I will take care of the sin debt that weighs over them and the hell that they're going to, and I will take care of it for them. Because a society that's on its way to hell, what's the point of that? It's doomed, no matter how good it can temporarily get. And so I need to get these I need you guys to get on this boat, and we're going to keep going, we're going to keep going, and the destination is the cross. Apart from the cross, any version of redemption apart from the cross is not true redemption at all. We are still covered in our sins. We are still unable and don't have the power of the Spirit to actually be God worshipers and cruciform lovers. 
It's impossible. That's the whole message of the Old Testament. They should have gotten that, but they didn't. Let's click on this guy king. Jesus is like, nope, I got to go to the cross. And so he sends them, he sends them, he sends them. Here's the thing. Not just societally, but personally, you and I know this. Oftentimes we try to force onto Jesus our own version of the good life. We try to force onto Jesus, look, Jesus, look, I know you said that in the scriptures, and, I, you know, this is how I have to live and follow you, but you know what, I got this other way, and let me just kind of rationalize it, and can I just sprinkle Jesus onto that? You know, sprinkle Jesus like this, right? And Jesus is like, I want none of that, and he withdraws from that, and he's saying, let's go to the cross. That's where true redemption actually begins. And so he sends them, he sends them, he sends them. And they're going, they're going, they're going, and again, all night they're sailing. And you got to imagine, if you're the disciples, you know, maybe what we've been thinking for the past three or four months, God, why did you send us into this storm? Why did you send us for three, four miles, and all through the night, and to 3 a.m., 6 a.m.-ish? You know, we've been, we've been sailing this whole time. We're not just fishing, we're, we are going against the wind, Against the storm, just like this morning, you know, why, Jesus, are we going through all this? It's been a tough time these past three four months. Why? We could have just been back there. You could have just took care of all our, our, our felt earthly needs and boom, everything could have been good. And Jesus is like, no, keep going. He sends them right into a storm. You got to ask why. What's the purpose? And what we see here is that after you read this, 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 the rest of the account, you see why. God is trying to reveal his glory to his disciples. God is trying to reveal his glory, and this is true for all of us, is that why do we go through storms? God is trying to reveal his glory to us, and here's why, here's why this is really important in this narrative specifically, because the crowd wanted to crown him. He's like, this is the prophet. This is... This is, a, this is a man of God who clearly is from God, can do mighty things and speak and fix things and give us food ever, forever and ever for free. Jesus is like, sends him into a storm and begins walking on water, which is terrifying, by the way. Can you imagine that? You know, like, uh, you know, me, Rebecca, and the kids, we went to uh, um, this lake over here on Schaumburg Road. I got some Chick-fil-A and just decided to eat out there. And, um, oh, man, it was just such a good time. And I was just telling the kids, I'm like, guys, look at that. Jesus walked on water. And they're like, how did he do that? And I'm like, well, he's God. And I started kind of imagining. I'm like, that kind of looks scary. Could you imagine that happening in the pitch black, dark night? How scary that must have looked terrifying and awesome at the same time. And so God is revealing his glory to them in this place. Because if, if, this, if, if this storm didn't happen, they, would, they wouldn't have experienced this. So God, Jesus clearly had this plan. I'm going to reveal my glory. And Jesus is saying, by implication, I am not just a prophet. I'm not just a man who does and says a bunch of nice things. I'm not Mr. Rogers. I am God. What does he specifically say? Check this out. When he, when he approaches them. All right. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were frightened, rightly so. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. What he says here is he's revealing two things. He's revealing his glory and his, he's revealing his nearness. He's revealing his glory because he says, it is I. That right there in Greek is ego eimi. Ego eimi. 
That Greek is the transliteration of the Hebrew name of God, which is Yahweh. I am Yahweh. Like hallelujah. Hallelujah means praise. Yahweh, praise God. That's what hallelujah means if you've ever wondered. Jesus is saying, I am. He's saying, I am God. I'm not just a prophet. I'm not just a guy who does a bunch of good things does a bunch of cool things and says a bunch of wise things. I am God. I am creator of the universe. I am that same God you've been studying your whole life through the Old Testament scriptures. I am God. I'm the one who will save you. I'm the one that you need in this storm. This is us. What do I mean? Many of us believe in a half Jesus. Many of us believe in a half Jesus. How do I know? At least for myself. We, our lives would look radically different if we believed in the full Jesus. I mean, we know it up here, but I'm, I'm talking like heart, you know, deep down. We might say, yeah, I know God is sovereign, but I'm really, really, you know, panicking with fear and worry about what to do next or what's going to happen. Half Jesus. I know God loves me, but I, I, I kind of got to get it from other people instead. Half Jesus. I know God is holy, but kind of want to live how I want, and that's what I'll do. Half Jesus. I know God is my, my hope of my salvation, but there are a lot of other enticing hopes out there in the world. Half Jesus. What we believe about Jesus is absolutely crucial to how we will handle the storms. What we believe about Jesus is absolutely crucial to how we will handle the storms. Because here's the thing. When storms come, on its own, it's already hard, right? That's why it's a storm, right? It's already hard. I've heard it said that uh, 10% of what happens in your life, 10% of life is what happens to you. 90% is how you react to it. 10% 10% of what, happen, is, is, is what happens in your life, and 90% is how you react to it. Is that so true? And when we understand who Jesus is, who he has truly revealed himself to be as God, God, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God, the God who saves, the God who led the Israelites through the Red Sea, who rescued them from Egypt, Mighty signs and wonders provided for them, called them, blessed them. This same God is with us. When we understand this, this will change everything. For example, a lie we may believe is Jesus is there to make my life comfortable. We might not say that. But if we really understand what Jesus said, Jesus said that the world will hate you, you will have trouble in this world, the world will reject you, kill you, kick you out of their company. You will go through dangers, toils, snares, you will could even die for me. When we understand that God's priority is to purify us and not to pamper us, that will change everything in how we handle the storm. God's priority is to purify us, not to pamper us. So, so he reveals his glory. 
And then he reveals his nearness. What do I mean? He says, it is I, do not be afraid. It is I, do not be afraid. Remember, Jesus sends these disciples, right? Sends them. And all they see, can you think about it? Just think about how scary this is, okay? It's, it's pitch black, all right? I, I was talking with Jordan, um, who's here, back from the Navy. Welcome back. Um, he, he says the sea is, is terrifying. And it's beautiful at the same time. Could you imagine how terrifying this is that the storm in, in the pitch black night, waves going as high as 50 feet, you name it, right? boat is rocking, and you see a shadowy figure approaching you. <laughs> You're like, okay, at first I'm dealing with storm. Now we got this going on, whatever this is. And, he, and Jesus is like, it is I. I go, Amy, do not be afraid. When storms come, we often forget that God is actually in it. When storms come, we often forget that Jesus is actually in it. He's behind it, and he has a purpose through it. But all we see is the darkness that's looming over us. And we forget principally what the, the scriptures have said is that God is going to use all things, all things. Romans chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 12 even talks about how God introduces pain into our lives to actually wake us up, to strengthen us, to get us walking, running the race. He uses trials. To show us his glory. He uses trials to be present with us in such intimate ways. But we don't see that. All we see is the darkness approaching. All we see is the darkness that's looming. All we see is like this is the end of the world. Like I, I at the end of my life. But Jesus, is, he has a plan through that. And we miss that. He's saying I'm near in the storm. I'm near in every single thing. walking with him, when you are following him, he is near. He's, he said, Matthew, Matthew 28, I will be with you to the end of the age. To the end of the age. And then he says again, throughout the Old New Testament, every single thing that you go through, all the pain, I will be in that to mature you, grow you, for my glory. Do not be afraid. I'm using that. I'm here. This is exactly the problem that the crowd had. The crowd had a, such a, a spiritual nearsightedness. All that they saw was, look, I have felt needs. I need to get that taken care of. And so get, get, get this. So the crowd, right, they're trying to crown him as king. They're like, yeah, just fix everything, Jesus. Let, me, let us prop you up as, as, as this king who could do that apart from the cross. And then he, he escapes. He withdraws, sends them ahead. And then, I, and then he withdraws to, to this mountaintop to, to spend time with Father, you know, uh, um, remembering that what he's called to do, to go to the cross, that the kingdom of heaven will be won this way. And then as they're going, the crowd's like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Wait, the boat's not here. He went to the other side, so they go. Right? They get this road trip going on, all of them, and they go there, there's this thousands of uh, people, this, this crowd, this mob crowd trying to make him king, and they go to the other side, and they meet him there with the same plan. Now Jesus explains exactly why he withdrew from them, their nearsightedness. Check this out. 
Uh, they were glad to take him into the boat. Immediately the boat was on the land to which they were going. And then we're going to fast forward here. 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? <laughs> Verse 26. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Verse 28, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Verse 30, so they said to him, then then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What, What work do you perform? Verse 31, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I just want to close it with verse 26. If we can go back to that. What is Jesus saying here? What is Jesus saying here? The word signs right there? It's more, it has more the connotation of a pointer, pointing to something greater beyond itself. Not necessarily the miracle, but it's, he's saying that what he just did in, in, in feeding the 5,000 people who were hungry, he, he was saying that that thing was supposed to point to a greater reality, a greater reality of their, their soul's hunger that's dying apart from Jesus. He's saying, I am the bread of heaven that you need. This bread will not fill you. You will die. This bread will rot. Look, you need to work for something else. You need something else to fill you. And it's me. The Father has sent me. I am the bread from heaven. Check this out. God is always working like this in our lives. God is always continually, through our daily lived experiences, he is always continually trying to communicate a deeper spiritual need, our our continual need for him. And we miss it. We're so nearsighted. All we see is our superficial situation that we're trying to fix. But Jesus is getting at the spiritual transformation that he's focused on. We're always trying to fix our superficial situation, are we not? Right? Oh, man, I got this to fix, this, this to take care of that, this, that, this, that. Oh, how do I make it end? How do I make the storm end? But we're never asking the question, why? We're always asking the question, how do I get out of this? How do I fix this? How do I make this end? But there's a deeper question. Jesus is asking, why am I letting you go through it? And he's saying there's always, everything you go through is a deeper pointer to our need for him. Every single problem we have, every single blessing we get is not the end in itself. It's pointing to our continual need for him and the sufficiency of his grace. Man does not live on bread alone, but the very words of God. The word made flesh, Jesus himself. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I missing what God is trying to say through my daily experiences, through my needs, and through my blessings? Am I missing the point here? It's, it's interesting. I'm going to end with this. They're like, okay, okay, Jesus, all right. All right, we get it. We get it. All right, we done messed up. <laughs> 
Okay, tell us then. What's the works we got to do? What, what are the works of God that we got to do? And, and <laughs> look, they're, they're kind of pivoting in the right direction, but it's still very self-centered, self-sufficient. They're like, you know, what, what do I got to do to do what's right? What do I got to do? And Jesus says the most poignant, simplest, powerful answer, and he says, believe on him whom he, the Father, has sent. Believe on Jesus. Isn't that such a relief? Many of us are here are still striving. We're still striving to be like, I gotta, in, I gotta earn it. I gotta work for it. And you are restless. You're looking to, to not only to scripture, but to what everyone else on the world has to say about how to how to be in right standing. And Jesus is like, you just have to believe in Him. Many of us are still striving not only to belong in the kingdom of heaven, but to actually belong in this world. And we are tired. We are angry. We are bitter. We are insecure. And Jesus is like, if you believe on me, you will have the belonging that only matters, the kingdom of heaven, where he will rule and reign forever and ever with you, and all things will be made new. And nothing can be taken away. And many of us, if we're going to be honest, we're still striving We're still striving to think that we, on our own works, can actually live the Christian life. When in fact, the beginning, middle, end, and end of the Christian life is to believe in the sufficiency of Jesus for everything. Our life, death, and resurrection. With his life, death, and resurrection. It's from this place that we'll actually live, we, are, we will make room for the Holy Spirit of God to actually take over and to come alive in us, that we will overflow with his glory to this world. And so with that said, are we missing the point? What is God trying to say? He wants to reveal his glory to you through everything. Let's not miss that. Let's pray. Father God, today, this morning, we just want to praise you, God, as the Lord of the storm. Forgive us for believing in a half-Jesus. This is why our lives have not been radically transformed. And so, God, in this moment, we just surrender in awe and wonder that you, Father God, sent your Son, Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, who would go through the fire at the cross for us. To take away the penalty and the power of sin in our hearts. The roots of the sin symptoms that we can't take away on our own effort, that no other wisdom can take away, only the cross. And this is why you told your disciples to keep going. Even into that storm, I will show you my glory. And Lord God, this morning we just confess, Lord, we have missed this truth. We get so caught up in trying to fix our superficial situation when you are focusing in on our spiritual transformation through it. And so God, Help us.
Open our eyes to this truth. The full glory of the crucified and risen Jesus. The bread of heaven. The one whom you call us to just believe. Just believe. And from here you will lead us into true life. And one day, eternal life in your kingdom of heaven. For this, we praise you. Fill us anew with the joy of your salvation. Today we say hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.